Section two of From the Tower Window of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From the Tower Window of My Book House. Edited by Olive Bupre Miller. Una and the Red Cross Knight. Retold from Book One of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Part One now gloriana was that greatest most glorious queen of fairyland and she did keep her feast for twelve days every year during which time as the manner then was she might not refuse to any man or woman what boon soever he desired of her on a certain year it happened in the beginning of the feast that there presented himself before the throne of gloriana a tall clownish young man who falling before the queen made request that he might have the achievement of any adventure which during that feast should happen that being granted he rested him on the floor unfit through his rusticity for a better place soon after entered a fair lady in mourning weeds riding on a white ass with a dwarf behind her leading a warlike steed and bearing the arms and spear of a knight the lady falling before the queen of fairies complained that her father and mother an ancient king and queen had been by an huge dragon many years shut up in a brazen castle who then suffered them not to issue and therefore besought the fairy queen to assign her some one of her knights to take on him the deliverance of these twain presently that clownish person upstarting desired that adventure whereat the queen much wondering and the lady much gainsaying yet he earnestly importuned his desire in the end the lady told him that unless that armour which she brought would serve him he could not succeed in that enterprise for that armour was of such a sort as would fit him only who had great courage and faith great uprightness and truth which armour being forthwith put upon the youth with due furnitures thereunto he seemed the goodliest man in all that company and was well liked of the lady and eftsoons taking on him knighthood and mounting on that strange courser he went forth with her on that adventure right faithful and true he proved and on his breast and shield he wore a blood-red cross in dear remembrance of his dying lord and to make known to all the world that he would give battle only in the cause of righteousness and truth beside the red cross knight upon her snow-white ass una the lovely lady rode her face well veiled from sight beneath her wimple and over all her garments she wore a long black robe as one who inwardly did mourn for thinking ever on that ancient king and queen her father and mother shut up in prison by so foul a beast after her on line she led a snow-white lamb as pure and innocent as that same lamb the lady una was and all her heart was full of virtue loyalty and truth far away behind the lady and the knight the dwarf did lag bearing fair una's bag of needments at his back as they passed thus along the road the sky was sudden overcast and down upon the path there poured a hideous storm of rain and forced to seek some covert they espied a grove not far away whose lofty trees yclad with summer's pride did spread so broad that heaven's light did hide not pierceable with power of any star and all within were paths and alleys wide with footing worn and leading inward far 
fair harbour that them seems so in they entered are safe and shrouded from the tempest beneath those sheltering boughs they journeyed forward led on with pleasures enjoying to hear the sweet harmony of birds that sang within that wood as though no tempest raged without thus with delight they beguiled the way until the storm was overblown when they weaned to return out of that wood and once more take the highway they late had quitted but now when they looked about to find that path down which they had so carelessly strayed lo it was nowhere to be seen so far within the wood they had pursued their way that they knew not how they might come out to and fro they wandered but so many paths there were so many turnings that they were ever in doubt which one to take and found their wits grown quite confused they only wandered round and round and deeper in at last resolved to fare straight forward along a certain road until at least it brought them somewhere they chose the one that seemed beaten most bare by travellers feet and journeyed on but though they knew it not alas this was the wandering wood wherein many a traveller had lost himself and never found a way out more for in a hollow cave amid the dismallest density of those dark trees there lurked a monster vile who was the sovereign of that whole domain and hated god and man by wicked spells of that same evil creature all who entered in that wood were made to take the false for true the true for false and so to wander in a circle hopelessly ever her joy was to bewilder men mislead them into sore mistakes and errors grievous to be borne at length the knight with una and the dwarf came sudden on that hideous darksome cave which una had no sooner seen than she whose clear vision ever grasped the truth knew this for the wandering wood and that cave for the fearsome dwelling-place of that foul breeder of bewilderment then all too late she would fain have had her knight draw back and not rush forth to call the monster from its lair and eke the dwarf thrilled on a sudden with a weird unspoken horror of the place quoth shrilly fly fly this is no place for living men but the youthful knight full of fire and hardihood could not be stayed for aught dismounting from his horse he hurried to the darksome entrance of that cave and looked within his glistening armour made a little glooming light by which he saw the ugly monster plain half like a serpent loathsome filthy foul and as she lay upon the dirty ground her huge tail overspreading all the den and pointed with a deadly sting a thousand young ones all about her lay of sundry shapes each more ill-favoured than the rest no sooner did the light flash on them from the knight's bright suit of mail than they in terror crept into their mother's mouth and sudden all were gone then that old serpent hurling her hideous tail about rushed forth out of her den afraid there seeing one all armed in mail she sought to turn back again for creature as she was of foul deceits deluding all she ever hated light and lurked in darkness where none might see her plain but when the valiant knight perceived what she would do he leapt fierce as a lion on his foe with his stout blade he boldly stayed her from returning to the dark forced her to face him squarely and do battle in the light lifting his powerful arm he struck a stroke that glanced her head and spent its stunning weight upon her shoulder much daunted by the blow she gathered herself around reared fiercely up 
and leapt upon his shield winding her tail all suddenly about his body round and round till hand and foot she had him so embound he could not move a muscle even as when once yielded to her deceits she wraps a man in endless train of errors and mistakes and holds him altogether in power of her delusions the lady una seeing her knight in so sore strait cried out now now sir knight show what ye be add faith unto your force and be not faint strangle her else she sure will strangle thee in answer to her bidding the knight knit all his force together got one hand free and seized the monster's throat with grip so strong that soon she was constrained to lose her wicked bands therewith she spewed out of her filthy mouth a flood of poison horrible and black filled full of frogs and toads and serpents small her loathly offspring foul and blind and black as ink these swarming all about climbed up the good knight's legs and sore encumbered him but had no power to do him harm thus ill bestead he suddenly resolved to win and struck at the serpent with such force as one would never dream was possible to man so that he clove her hateful head from off her body a stream of coal-black blood gushed forth whereon the serpent's scattered brood finding no more their wanted refuge in her mouth plunged in that coal-black stream and perished all thus the good knight's evil foes did slay themselves his lady seeing from afar all that was come to pass rode up in haste to greet the victor with rejoicings of his victory then he mounted once again upon his steed and with his lady and the dwarf chose that path leading from the hateful place which was beaten most plain nor would he again let aught tempt him to turn aside into a byway that one path he followed steadfastly until it brought him well without the wandering wood now as they three journeyed forward once more in search of adventure it chanced at length that they came upon an aged man in long black robes with bare feet and a beard all hoary grey sober he seemed and simple wise and good and ever as he walked he bent his eyes full humbly on the ground and seemed to pray the red cross knight saluted him and asked him if he knew of any strange exploit that needed to be done the old man answered that he knew little of such matters so far did he live in his quiet cell away from all worldly cares and strife yet had he heard of a strange wild man that wasted all the countryside and never had been mastered and he could lead the knight to him if so be it he desired then did una in her simple wisdom show her knight twere wiser that he rest that night after his sore fray and seek new adventure with the morrow the hermit bade them pass the night with him and so in his company they rode on to his home a little lowly hermitage it was down in a dale hard by a forest side far from resort of people that did pass and travel to and fro a little wide there was an holy chapel edified wherein the hermit duly wont to say his holy things each morn and eventide thereby a crystal stream did gently play which from a sacred fountain welled forth alway in this simple rustic retreat una and the knight found no great entertainment but rest was their feast and the evening passed in fair discourse for that old man had store of pleasing words as smooth as glass but when the drooping knight came creeping on them fast 
and weariness weighed down their lids the hermit led his guests each unto his several lodging and bestowed them there to sleep then to his study and magic books he went and sudden threw aside the holy hermit's guise for this old man enwrapped in false hypocrisy and well-appearing words was none other than archimago a magician foul enemy to gloriana queen of fairyland and foe of all things good he knew full well upon what worthy quest the red cross knight was bound and hating above all things else to see good accomplished in the world was well resolved to bring that quest to naught by means of wicked spells and foul enchantments that he knew so long as all true holiness within the heart of that good knight in closest union stood with that sage wisdom and straightforward truth that shone from una none could withstand these two together they were invincible apart each could but wander uselessly without the other and so archimago was resolved first in his wicked plan to separate the two from out his book he chose a few most horrible words whereof he framed weird verses dread that spoke reproachful shame of highest god the lord of life and light with these and other devilish spells like terrible he called out of the darkness legions of wicked sprites the which like little flies fluttered about his head waiting to do what service he should bid of these he chose the falsest too those fittest for to forge true seeming lies one he sent to morpheus god of sleep to fetch an evil dream the other with charms and hidden arts he made into a lady fair most like to lovely una the first wicked sprite returned from the bowels of the earth where morpheus dwelt and brought the evil dream coming where the knight in slumber lay he placed the dream upon his hardy head and straightway the knight did dream that una whom he loved and honoured above all maids of earth and whose true love for him he trusted quite was false to him left to him the dangers of her quest yet loved another in secret still was the red cross knight too true and brave a man to let himself be troubled by a dream again and once again that troublous dream essayed to make him rise and leave the lovely maid he held his ground and naught could make him disbelieve the pure and loyal faith of una when archimago saw this labour all in vain he took that same wicked sprite who brought the dream from morpheus and made him by his arts appear a knight to him he brought the sprite whom he had cloaked with una's form then with well-feigned faithfulness he ran and woke his guest and bade him rise and come to see his lady una holding secret converse in the darkness with another knight all in amaze the red cross knight sprang up and sword in hand went with the aged man when he beheld those sprites one so like to una in close and hidden communion with a stranger knight then indeed at last he held her truth for false and held the false for true within himself he struggled long until the evening star had spent its lamp in highest sky then sore tormented he donned his armour to ride away and that long faithful dwarf hearing his tale deemed also that his mistress must be false and so these two fled from the hermitage and left fair una deserted and alone now when the rosy-fingered morning rose from her saffron bed to spread her purple robe through dewy air and the rising sun touched the high hills with light then una rose from the couch where she had slept and sought her knight and dwarf 
alas she found them gone herself deserted quite and knew no reason why she should thus have been left in such a woeful case weeping full sore she set forth from the hermitage alone upon her snow-white ass and rode after the red cross knight with all the speed that her slow beast could make all was in vain the knight's light-footed steed pricked by his master's wrath had borne him so far away that following him was fruitless yet would faithful una never rest every hill and dale each wood and plain she searched so grieved that he whom she loved best had left her so ungently all alone meantime the red cross knight pursued his way flying before his thoughts and led astray by grief and so it chanced he met at last a faithless saracen all armed and bearing a great shield whereon in gayest letters was writ his name sansfoy he was a man full large of limb and by his bearing it was easy to be seen he had no care for god or man beside him a fair companion rode a goodly lady clad in scarlet cloth embroidered with gold and pearls upon her head she wore a splendid headdress and her palfrey was all decked with tinsel while her bridle rang with little golden bells when this lady saw the red cross knight advance she bade her companion address him to the fray forward the faithless son's voice sprang the other couched his spear and rode likewise forward soon they two met in furious shock the horses staggered and gave back a pace then both knights seized their swords and fell upon each other furiously so that the flashing fire flew from their stricken shields as from an anvil beat with hammers curse on that cross quoth the saracen that keeps thee from all harm therewith he smote a blow so fearful on his enemy's crest that in the breast of that good knight the natural courage awoke and such a blow he struck upon the saracen's helmet in return it cut clean through the steel and clove his head the lady seeing her champion fall dead like the old ruins of a broken tower fled from the place in fright but the good red cross knight rode after her bidding the dwarf to come behind and bear the saracen's shield as sign of victory when the lady saw the victor knight close on her heels she turned and cried as though in great humility mercy have mercy sir the humbleness of one clad in such rich garments did much in move the stout heroic heart of that good red cross knight he gently bade the dame put fair away and tell him who she was and who he was that had been her champion melting in tears the wretched woman told a tale all false how that she was fidessa the faithful maid much wronged by fortune and fallen by force into the hands of the proud sansfoy one of three wicked brothers that were called sansfoy the faithless sansloy the lawless and sansjoy the joyless the red cross knight deceived by her beauty and her simple dainty ways held all her words for true and bade her rest assured and journey on with him protected by his care yet every word she spoke was false not fidessa the faithful maid was she but duessa false a vile enchantress ever arrayed against all good she had not been stolen by sansfoy for he the faithless man was chosen knight of her the faithless dame yet now that all too easily the red cross knight had believed the evil spoken of his innocent una and parted from her fair falsehood stepped into true una's place to work the knight much woe they two journeyed on together until at last wearied of the way they came upon a spot 
where grew two goodly trees that fair did spread their arms abroad with grey moss overcast and their green leaves trembling with every blast made a calm shadow far in compass round yet beautiful though the spot appeared there lurked a something sinister in the air about so that the fearful shepherds never sate beneath those boughs but shunned the place and never there did sound their merry oaten pipes the good knight howsoever soon as he spied the trees thought only of the cool shade they offered for golden phoebus had now mounted in the heavens so high that the beams hurled from the fiery wheels of his fair chariot were scorching hot and the knight's new dame might not abide them they therefore alighted from their steeds and sate them down beneath the trees and the red cross knight now altogether deceived by this false dame thought her the fairest he had ever seen to make a garland for her dainty head he plucked a bough from one of those two trees whereon there trickled from the wound small drops of blood and from the tree a human voice cried piteously oh spare to tear my tender side and fly sir knight fly far from hence lest that befall you here that here befell to me the good knight's hair stood up in horror on his head at hearing words like these from out a tree and he made loud demand to know who thus addressed him in so strange a way then groaning deep the voice cried out that he was once a man fradubio now a tree and she who was to blame for his sad fate was one duessa a false dame it happened in his youthful days he loved a fair and lovely maid frailisa yet fell in on his travels by chance with that duessa who by her wiles beguiled him so he grew confused and knew not which was fairer she or his own maid his own dear dame was fair as fair might be yet ever false duessa seemed as fair till at the last bewildered quite by her enchantments he saw his true and faithful dame as foul and ugly and herself duessa alone as fair then he in anger cast his true love off and chose duessa for his dame and she duessa turned frailisa to a tree with her the witch he journeyed on beguiled by her appearance of fair innocence until the year turned round to that one day when witches must appear in their true guise then did it chance fradubio came all unexpectedly upon duessa bathing in a stream and saw her for what she was a filthy foul old hag misshapen monstrous and more hideous than man could have believed awakened thus to see the truth he secretly resolved to free himself from her foul snares but she perceiving how his thought toward her had changed through charms and magic changed him also to a tree to stand there by his true love's side the red cross knight was much unmoved by this unhappy tale and with fresh clay he closed the wound that he had made yet was he blind as ever to the truth that this dame here with him who called herself Fidessa, was none other but that same false witch well she pretended that fear and sorrow and pity at his tale had made her swoon and so drew his attention to her need that he could think of none but her at length he brought her to herself again set her upon her steed and they fared forth forgetting Predubio and his dame long they two journeyed till at last they saw rising before them a splendid castle toward which a smooth broad highway led whereon great troops of people travelled thitherward 
yet ever those returning from the place seemed only wretched beggars that sank beside the road and lay in misery beneath the hedges a stately palace built of squared brick which cunningly was without mortar laid whose walls were high but nothing strong or thick and golden foil all over them displayed that purest sky with brightness they dismayed high lifted up were many lofty towers and goodly galleries far overlaid full of fair windows and delightful bowers and on the top a dial told the timely hours it was a goodly heap folk to behold and spoke the praises of the workman's wit but full great pity that so fair a mould did on so weak foundation ever sit for on a sandy hill that still did flit and fall away it mounted was full high that every breath of heaven shaked it and all the hinder parts that few could spy were ruinous and old but painted cunningly thither duessa bade her knight to bend his way the gate stood open wide to all they entered in and sought the hall where dwelt the proud disdainful lady of the place on every side were wondrous rich array and many people clad in splendour high above all upon a cloth of state there rose a rich and shining throne whereon in gorgeous royal robes that shone with gold and precious jewels sat the fair maiden queen so proud she was she kept her eyes raised high as though disdaining to look so low as on the humble earth and in her hand she held a mirror wherein she often viewed her face taking delight in naught so much as in gazing on her own self-loved semblance proud lucifera men called this queen and she had usurped her throne with tyranny and wrong for she had no rightful kingdom at all nor did she rule her realm with laws but by changing policies and evil advisements of six old wizards an usher full of pompous vanities led duessa and the knight before proud lucifera's feet to do her reverence but she looked down upon them haughtily as though loath to cast her eyes so low and greeted them disdainfully scarce bidding them to rise nor did she vouchsafe them any other favour as a worthy princess would have done the knight and ladies received duessa and her champion well for in that court duessa was well known yet the stout-hearted red cross knight in spite of this display thought all this glory empty and most vain and that great princess too exceeding proud on a sudden the royal dame rose up from her throne and called for her coach then she sallied forth her brightness all ablaze with glorious glitter and climbed into her coach that was adorned with gold and hung with gayest garlands but lo what strange steeds bore that splendid chariot six strange beasts on each of which rode one of those six evil counsellors that had governance of the realm first rode a sluggish lazy idle wight in a black monk's robe astride a slothful ass and even as he led the way his head was nodding and he drowsed in sleep an evil one to guide the van who knew not whether he went right or wrong beside this idle counsellor there rode a loathsome glutinous fellow upon a filthy swine 
his belly was swollen with fat his eyes deep sunk in rolls of fat but his neck was long like any crane's that he might swallow up excessive food in green vine leaves he was clad he wore an ivy garland on his head and ever as he rode he ate and drank not fit to be the counsellor of a queen whose mind was drowned in meat and drink the third counsellor in a fair green gown rode upon a bearded goat and man and beast were both wall-eyed a sign of raging jealousy the fourth thin spare and clad in threadbare coat a greedy miser was who sate astride a camel loaded down with gold two iron coffers hung on either side full of precious metal and in his lap a heap of coins he counted over of his ill-gotten treasure he made a god and unto hell had sold himself for money so that he knew not right from wrong through daily care to get and nightly fear to lose what he had got he led a wretched life nor had of his possessions any joy at all next him the fifth counsellor found place an envious man and full of malice upon a ravenous wolf his kirtle of discoloured cloth was painted full of eyes and in his bosom secretly he bore a hateful snake with mortal sting still as he went he gnashed his teeth to see those heaps of treasure his companion bore last of all the sixth counsellor a fierce and vengeful white rode on a wrathful lion his eyes were stern and pale as ashes yet hurled forth now and then most fiery sparks one hand was ever on his dagger trembling with hasty rage the other brandished high aloft a burning brand and all his clothes were torn to rags as though he had been oft in furious frays such were proud lucifera's counsellors all impotent and eaten with disease and on the wagon-beam rode satan with a smarting whip lashing on the lazy team so they marched forth in goodly sort to take solace of the open air and in fresh flowery fields to sport but ever about them a foggy mist hung over all the land and here and there beneath their feet lay skulls and bones of men that in that land had come to grief next to the queen herself duessa rode but that good knight would not ride so nigh withdrawing himself from their vain joy whose fellowship seemed all unfit for such as he so having solaced themselves a space with pleasaunce of the fields they returned to that proud palace and there found a knight arrived bearing a heathenish shield whereon in scarlet letters was writ sans joy when this knight espied the shield of his slain brother sans foy borne by the dwarf page to the red cross knight he leapt upon that dwarf desiring vengeance for his brother's death and snatched away the shield but the red cross knight disdaining to have torn from him that which he had worn in fair and open fight fiercely encountered sans joy and rescued what the paynim stole thereon they began to clash their arms in furious battle till the queen commanded them to refrain and on the following day contend in equal lists that one should by his skill defeat the other and there prove his right to the disputed shield that night was passed by all in joy and jollity feasting and courting both in bower and hall but when the darksome night had drawn her coal-black curtain over brightest sky and all were gone to rest up rose duessa from her couch and secretly sought out sans joy 
to tell him how she sorrowed for sansfoy and hoped that he sansjoy would overthrow the red cross knight and take her for his dame since next to his dear brother sansfoy she loved sansjoy wherever yet i be she cried my secret aid shall follow you at last the golden oriental gate of greatest heaven gan to open fair and phoebus freshest bridegroom to his mate came dancing forth shaking his dewy hair and hurled his glistening beams through gloomy air which when the wakeful knight perceived he started up and donned his sun-bright arms and went forth to the affray with royal pomp and majesty queen lucifera was brought unto the lists and placed under a stately canopy opposite duessa sat and on a tree the shield was hung a shrilling trumpet sounded from on high and bade the knights address themselves to battle the saracen was stout and wondrous strong and his blows fell like iron hammers yet was it true that after blood and vengeance the saracen did strive while he the red cross knight fought not for vengeance but for honour only so the one strove for wrong the other for the right at length sans joy struck the knight so hard a blow upon his crest he reeled as if to fall and false duessa cried in joy thine are the shield sans joy the shield and i and all but when the knight heard his lady's voice he woke from his swooning dream and with quickening faith struck sans joy such a stroke as forced him to his knees and had he not so stooped he would have been cloven in twain but when the goodly knight raised up his sword to strike again lo a darksome cloud fell as if by magic over that vile paynim and hid him from his foe so that the red cross knight struck out for him in vain then duessa pretending joy that he had conquered came swiftly to him and begged him as in all good faith to seek no further vengeance on his fallen foe but spare his life thereat the trumpets sounded victory and heralds running brought unto the red cross knight the shield but all in secret duessa wept until the eventide when the shining lamps were lit in the high heavens she rose and went unto that wounded heathen knight and ministered unto him and bore him off to safety returning thence unto the palace of pride she found the red cross knight had fled away for on a day his weary dwarf had come upon a dungeon in that proud palace where wretched creatures languished who had come unto the place in haughty hopes to share the pride of that proud princess yet were by her cast off at last into such sad misery and the knight learning thereof and in no mind to be in peril of like fate took his flight ere dawn by a secret little postern gate that he might be safe from power of such a tyrant finding him gone duessa loath to let so good a knight escape from out her clutches made after him without delay all this long time fair una pure and full of guileless truth still wandered solitary o'er the earth deserted and alone through woods and wastes riding her slow-moving ass she sought her knight in vain at last one day quite wearied out she alighted from her beast and laid her dainty limbs to rest in secret shadow far from all men's sight her angel face as the great eye of heaven shined bright and made a sunshine in this shady place it chanced as she lay thus at rest a ramping lion rushed forth from out the thickest wood as soon as ever he spied that tender maid he bore down upon her greedily with gaping mouth in search of prey 
but when he was drawn nigh and couched to spring all suddenly he stayed himself oh how can beauty master the most strong and simple truth subdue avenging wrong dazzled by such fair loveliness and pure innocence he quite forgot his furious rage fell at the maiden's feet and licked her lily hands with fawning tongue when una marked how this great raging beast lord of all the forest yielded up his pride before her seeming weakness in proud submission to her womanhood her heart gan melt in great compassion and with pure tenderness she stroked his shaggy hide so when she sate her snowy palfrey once again and sorrowfully set forth upon her search the lion would not leave her desolate but journeyed by her side as a strong guard and faithful comrade whene'er she slept he kept both watch and ward and when she waked he waited diligently to do her will with humble service from her fair eyes he took commandment and ever by her looks guessed her desires so long she travelled thus through deserts wide and i in weal or woe in good or ill the lion was her comrade fending off from her full many an ugly foe bold courage guarding gentle innocence and truth end of section two recording by marisol quee